Hebrews chapter 5, and we will read one verse of Scripture, verse number 12. Hebrews 5 and verse 12. When for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles. Everyone say the first principles. The first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now we're not going to focus on the author's rebuke of the Hebrew people for their lack of spiritual maturity, but we do want to focus on the statement he made. He said there are some things that are the first principles. Then we go to chapter 6, remembering that originally this was not divided into chapters. It was a letter that was written, and this is a continual thought from chapter 5 going into chapter 6. And so in chapter 5, he introduces this idea that there are some principles that are first And then in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So in chapter 5, he mentions the first principles of the oracles of God. Chapter 6, he speaks of the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And so tonight, I'm going to at least begin this lesson, and it is going to be part of the series. I intend to take the church on as God will allow in these midweek services I want, to, I want to focus over the next several weeks in our midweek services on this series of study that we're going to call Understanding Separation. Tonight's lesson we are entitling The Premier Principles. The Premier Principles. Some months ago, I felt led of the Holy Ghost that this was what I needed to do after the first of the year to begin dealing with this subject of separation. I, as many of you know, uh, have been working on a third book by the title of Understanding Separation. Been a bit bogged down and um, have not really focused a lot of time and energy on trying to pursue that writing, but I felt led that I need to teach on it, and I really think that part of God's plan behind all this is to help me to focus more on the completion of that book, because I believe if there's ever been a time that the apostolic movement needs 
a basic understanding of separation. It's now. We are watching far too many abandon separation. And even men who have stood strong for years seem to be starting to question some things that they've always believed. And they're laying aside things they have always preached. And yet God never changes. God never changes. And conversations that I've had of late situations with which I've had to be involved, not here locally, but other situations. I told someone the other day, this elder thing is not all it's cracked up to be. I've been on the phone today in the midst of everything I'm trying to get done. I've had two different pastors reach out to me just today. Spent time with them on the phone. We are in a troubled world. And I'm going to tell you the only hope we have is the Word of God. And now is not the time to lay aside what we have always believed. Now is not the time to start trying to be quote unquote relevant. We've got to stand on what the Word of God says. And unfortunately, there are far too many, far too many, even in supposedly conservative apostolic churches that have been raised and never heard why we believe what we believe. They've just been told, do it. And that's why we've got new generations of preachers who are abandoning it because they don't understand why. And it's not that I think I've got all the answers. I, I, and I know you're standing. And I, I, I don't think I really even have to say this, but you know how reticent I was to write the first two books because I don't feel like I've got a lot of answers. I feel like everything that I say is so simple. And in fact, Brother Burgess gave me some very strong correction when I was discussing writing the books because I kept referring to them as simplistic. And he said it is not simplistic. And so he defined for me what simplistic is. And um, simplistic is... Is pretty much dumbing it down. He said, you're not dumbing things down. You're breaking them down to simple terms. And there's a very big difference between a simple presentation and a simplistic presentation. And so I refrain from using that word, but you understand that I was reticent about writing because I felt like that everything I had to say was so simple. And I have been absolutely overwhelmed at the reception that I've gotten from those books. I told someone recently, I, I make almost nothing off of the sale of those books on Amazon 
but I don't know that there's a month that goes by that I'm not getting a check uh, for 70 or 80 dollars. That's not a huge amount. But when I'm getting nearly nothing, that's a lot of books. And I don't even know who's buying them. And that's besides the books that we're selling just about on a, at least a weekly basis. And I've been amazed at how well they've been received. Not because I think I've said anything, but I think because it is simple. And that's what this world is crying for right now. And I believe that there is a strong need for somebody to break down this message of separation from the world. And do it in a simple way. That everybody can understand it. Because somehow the apostolic church has got to grasp it and get a hold of it again. And so I believe that's part of why God's laid it on my heart. Part of it is we got new folks that have never heard me teach on it. And there will be things that I teach on that I've probably never taught on through all of this. There are things that have come up since the last time I've taught on it that weren't even in existence back then. And so here we go. And I don't know how long it will take me to get through it all, and I don't care. We'll just do it. We'll do it. Now, I'm going to tell you, visitors are welcome at any service. But I would ask that the saints of God just keep in mind that because of what I'm going to be teaching on Tuesday night, this is probably not the best service for a first-time visitor to attend. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't want them to walk into a first-time service and hear how the things they're wearing are not appropriate in the Scripture. Right? Those are things they need to learn with time. But again, if God draws them, God knows. And I have seen times when holiness was preached in a service and somebody received the Holy Ghost at the end of that. So I'm not saying don't let them come. I'm just saying use wisdom. Focus on our Sunday morning and Sunday night services and inviting people. And keep in mind that Tuesday night we've got to have some time for some family conversation. All right. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. I've used more of my time. I've got about 25 minutes. I'll at least get an introduction done, which I'll have to review next week. So here we go. But let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Can we do that? Let's talk to the Lord Jesus. I love you. I need you, God. I ask you, God, that you would hear me and help me tonight. I pray, oh God, that you would use me for your glory. How do you want me to guide you? How I want you to teach me. I want you to direct my thoughts. I want to feed the flock of God tonight. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord.
We thank you, Lord. Can we praise him together right now, everybody? Can we praise the Lord together? Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, as we look at our text tonight, we see some similar wording between Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, where the author, who, as I've said before, I believe to be the Apostle Paul, where he mentions the first principles of the oracles of God. And chapter 6, verse 1, where he mentions the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, in our King James Bible, it doesn't seem as similar as what it actually is in the original language. The word oracle in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 comes from a Greek word that means a divine utterance. A divine utterance. The first principles of the utterances of God. The things that God has said. And then in chapter 6 verse 1 he mentions the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, 5 and 12 says the first principles. 6 and 1 does not say first principles, but the fact is that the very same word is used. And the Greek word that is used here is arche. It means the beginning or the origin of something. It is the first in a series of things. Alright? I don't know how many of you ever heard about the archangels. Alright, that, that word archangel comes to us from, from arche and angelos. Arche meaning the first, or we could say the premier. The word doctrine in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, normally the Greek word, and, and bear with me as I offer this explanation because with the time, this may be as far as we get. And maybe I can at least just kind of skip over this when we start next week, all right? But, but the word doctrine, normally when you read doctrine in your New Testament, it's translated from the Greek word didache. Didache. But that's not the word in Hebrews 6. It is another word with which you are familiar, but in this case the word is used in a different setting and has a different meaning. Alright? Now, I don't want to get too complicated, so let me break it down as simply as I can. Let's take, for instance, the word right in English. You have the word right. Spelled the same, sounds the same, but it may mean correct or it may mean the opposite of left. 
And the only way you know the difference is to read it in its context. So the same thing is true with the word I'm about to mention to you. Just because it's this same word doesn't mean that it has the same definition in every case. Depends on the context. So, so normally the word doctrine is translated from the word didache, which means teaching. But in this case, the Greek word that's used is lagos. Now, lagos normally means a plan or um, an expression, a concept. But as it's used here in context, it's not the same as lagos in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. It's the same Greek word, you understand, but it's, it's used in a different context. And the context here shows us that the meaning is simply an utterance, something spoken. So in Hebrews 5.12, you've got the RK utterances, the, the, the beginning utterances. In Hebrews 6 and 1, you've got the beginning utterances. So we, we have a real similarity in the original. So both verses refer to the first or premier utterances or principles of God. Now, the reason that I'm stressing this to you tonight is because this makes it obvious to me that there are some principles, some utterances that take precedent over others. Not that the others are unimportant, but these are the first. These are the foundational. These are the beginning, the arche, the origin from which others spring. Are you following this? It's, it's like saying, you know, it's good to know algebra, but if you don't know addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, you're not going to get anywhere in algebra. You've got to learn the first things first. And there are some things which evidently God has designated as first or premier among all others. And if God has designated them as the first principles or as I've called them the premier principles, then we should put more emphasis on those premier principles. We need to give greater heed to those principles. We have to make sure we get those principles right. Or the other things are not going to be right. Does that make sense? Again, going back to the example of math, of, of simple 
uh, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. If you don't get those things right, if you've got something wrong there and you start trying to do algebra, you're going to come up with the wrong answer every time because you don't have the basics right. If in your mind 2 plus 2 is 5, I don't care how well you understand the principles of algebra, you're going to get the wrong answers. Because you've got to get the basics right. And there are certain principles which God said, these things are the basics. Get them right in order to get everything else right. Now, there are a number of these things. And we will not spend the time in this lesson or in future lessons going through everything that God would consider to be premier. But what I want to do in this lesson, whether we finish it tonight or we spread it out over two weeks or seven weeks, however long it takes me to get through this, I want to focus on four premier principles. I want to look at four of them that I believe form the foundation of everything we believe and teach. These four define us as the church of the living God. They define who we are, what we believe, how we live. These four things are the bedrock. Of our lives as saints of God. Alright? Everybody with me? So in 15 minutes. I'll cover. Maybe the first one or two. Because I really want to focus on the last one. And we may get the first three done tonight. I don't know. We'll see what I can do in 15 minutes. But again I don't want to rush too fast. But I don't intend and did not intend. To spend too much time on the first three. It's the fourth one where I really want to use as a launching pad for this series. But I want you to understand this whole concept of premier principle. So first of all, let's talk about our premier doctrine. What is the premier doctrine of the apostolic church? Now, before you say Acts 2.38... I'm going to tell you there is a doctrine more foundational than that. Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. Let's let Jesus speak to this. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments now is... listen, Jesus uses the term the first. That declares this to be premier. Right? If Jesus says it's the first, there's no argument. There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613. And Jesus is asked, out of the 613, what's number one on the list? Now you'd think that's a pretty tough question. Got to weigh out all 613. And if anybody knew all 613, Jesus did. 
because he wrote them. He spoke them into existence. He knew all 613. But I don't see where Jesus even thought about it. He's asked which one is the first. And immediately he's got an answer. So there's no debate about this. This is a settled fact. The first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God. The Lord our God is one Lord. Is one Lord. I'm here to declare to you tonight that the premier doctrine of the apostolic church is the oneness of God. This should be our first message. This should be the most important message that we adhere to. We have not got room for any kind of compromise with any philosophy of anything besides, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We can't consider two. We can't consider three. And I'm going to tell you, I start getting nervous when I hear supposedly one God preachers wandering off into Trinitarian territory. We better get this one right. We better get this one right. It wasn't Sunday night. I think it was last month's Face the Truth Live that, that the question came up because there is a oneness, a well-known oneness preacher who was trying to explain, let us make man by saying the father stepped ahead in time and began to speak to the son. I'm going to tell you that's scary stuff coming from a oneness preacher. That's scary stuff coming from a oneness We don't even need that. The Hebrews have always understood what that meant. The Jewish people have always, it's their language. They understand it. Why do we have to try to complicate it? We don't need a pre-existent son to answer that question. I'm telling you, we better not mess with the doctrine of the oneness. This is premier. This is primary. This is first. This is foremost. It is above everything else we preach. Everything. In fact, can I tell you, every other doctrine that we believe is based on that one. Think about it. Now, again, when I first said our premier doctrine, some of you probably thought Acts 2.38. But let me ask you something. Why do we believe Acts 2.38? Why do we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ and not in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Why? Because there's only one God. That's why. The doctrine of baptism in Jesus' name springs from the doctrine of the oneness of God. Why do we preach the necessity of the Holy Ghost? Do you want to know why? Because the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is not a third person. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have God. 
Don't tell me you've accepted Christ, but you've never received the Holy Ghost. That makes it more than one person. But when you believe there's only one, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have Christ. That's why you can't be saved without the Holy Ghost. Because there's only one God. This is our premier doctrine. And, and I'm going to tell you, church, I, I, I know that sitting in the truth church, service after service, you, many of you, have no clue what the apostolic church as a whole really consists of. I am telling you, I was asked in 2015, I think it was, 2015, to teach the oneness at an apostolic minister's seminar. Now, I... I would think that in a church filled with only apostolic ministers and their wives that I would have just been, as they say, preaching to the choir. But, but I'm going to tell you, when I got through, there were a number of preachers and preachers' wives who came to me and admitted, I've always believed it but I haven't understood it. Or I've always believed it, but now I have a revelation. I had an apostolic pastor come and sit in my office some time back and say, would you please teach me the oneness of God? I don't understand it. Church, you don't know how blessed you are to have this revelation. There are a lot of churches that identify as oneness, but the people sitting on the pew don't really have a clue about this message. That's just a sad fact. Once again, we have a generation of preachers that have just preached it. There's one God, there's one God, there's one God. And the people have never been taught And that's why men can walk away from it. Because they don't understand it. They don't have a revelation of it. This is the most important doctrine in the scripture. According to Jesus. There's nothing more important than this. Can I tell you, even living a separated life is because there's only one God. Let me explain to you why. He is a unique God. And He demands a unique people. He is the only God that exists. And that one God is a holy God. And He expects His people to be a holy people. So whether it's baptism, whether it's Holy Ghost... Whether it's holiness, everything we believe hinges on this premier doctrine. 
I've had people say, look, it's not a heaven or hell issue. I beg to differ with you. And so does Jesus. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am he, you shall all die in your sins. And the word he, if you look, is in italics. He said, unless you believe that ego I me, that I am. The same phrase that appeared in the Old Testament when that voice spoke from the burning bush. And Moses said, who shall I say sent me? The Greek rendition of that verse says, Ego I me. I am has sent you. And Jesus said, unless you believe that ego I me, unless you believe that I am the I am, unless you believe I'm the Jehovah that spoke to Moses, unless you believe I am the God of the Old Testament, you shall all die in your sins. This is a heaven or hell issue. It's our premier doctrine. It's our premier doctrine. It is our first message. Above everything else, we've got to have this understanding. And we've got to have this established. It's three minutes till nine. Let me hit one more. All right, we'll be halfway. Not really, but halfway through the four. Not halfway through my notes, but halfway through the four. So our premier doctrine is the oneness of God. How about our premier focus? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the oh, kingdom wait, of God. Wait, wait, wait. But seek ye first. Again, Jesus uses this word. That identifies this as a premier concept. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And all these things shall be added unto you. As I have pointed out many, many times, usually when you say first, then there's a second. But he didn't say seek second these things. He just said, seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness, and then everything else will take care of itself. God will take care of the rest of it. But your first objective is to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Whatever else you may think you need to pursue in life, I'm going to tell you nothing needs to take precedent over God's kingdom and God's righteousness. It's got to be first, church. It's got to be first. It's got to be first. It's got to take priority over our jobs. It's got to take priority over our relationships. It's got to take priority over our finances. It's got to take priority over everything. We've got to seek first. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. Every other area of our life ought to be governed by a driving desire to promote, to propagate, to preserve the kingdom of God. 
It's easy to say yes, sir, and say amen. But I'm telling you, the reason you're on your job is not so you can make money. If you really get this. You're not on that job so you can pay your bills. If this is really your first objective. You're not working for the railroad so you can feed your family. You're working for the railroad so you can seek the kingdom of God. What does God want me to do while I'm here? Who does God want me to reach while I'm here? Who is God dealing with while I'm here? Brother Carter, the next time God opens a job for you to go paint a house, he's not doing it so you can pay your bills. He's doing it because somebody in that house needs to hear about Jesus. I'm telling you, whatever it is that you're doing in your life, your primary, your primary focus has got to be the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Sister Andriana was telling me just last night about them going to Waffle House of all places. I've told her before, I've got too many teeth to go to Waffle House. I'm just kidding, of course. But talking about going to Waffle House and meeting a waitress there. You know, here's the thing. When, when you go to a restaurant, you may be thinking, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. But when this really becomes your primary focus, your premier focus, you're saying, where can I go today that I might be able to reach somebody? Because guess what happened? Just sometime after that, they went to a different restaurant altogether. And who should be in line at the other restaurant in front of them? But that very waitress. You think that's an accident? No. Somebody's seeking the kingdom of God. Sister Andriana, God has heard your prayer. He knows you're hungry to teach somebody. He's been listening as you've asked Him to lead you. And God is just directing people's paths. Is anybody hearing me? We showed up at, at, at a restaurant uh, a, a week ago. And the waiter came out and he's all nervous. And he said, this is going to be a real dumb question. I hope you don't mind if I ask it. I'm sorry. I, I, hope, I hope you're not offended I ask it. But, 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 but the cook back there wanted me to ask you if, if you knew Kevin Nix. And I don't know who Kevin Nix is. And if I'm asking something, I shouldn't ask one. I said, no, it's fine. I do know Kevin Nix. I know him well. How does the cook know him? I don't know. But he wanted me to, to ask you if you knew him and, and want to know if you knew how to get a hold of him. I said, well, he just happens to be in Peru right now as a missionary. I said, send that cook out here. I want to talk to him. The man walks out. He speaks very little English. So he called another lady over to translate for him. And this is what he said, Brother Nelson. I said, how do you know, how do you know Kevin Nix? He said, he's my friend. He said, I was baptized in your church. You remember when we had a Spanish work going downstairs and Kevin Nix was he heading up that Spanish work for us? This man attended those services and got baptized in Jesus' name in this church. I haven't seen him 
since that work ended until we happened in a restaurant. And he happened to be a cook there now. And he saw us and we walked in the door. So I told him, I said, you know what, I've got a couple of books written in Spanish. I'll be back next week and you get a copy of those books. So we were back at the same restaurant this last week and I had a couple of books in tow. Well, I'm telling you, when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you don't just go to Walmart to buy what you need. Come on, I want, oh, I feel this tonight. I want somebody to really get this mindset. You don't stop at Quick Trip to fill up your tank. No, 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 I've got to focus. I'm looking to see what I can do to further the kingdom of God. What can I do to further the kingdom of God? Who is it on my job that's hurting? Who is it on my job that's in need of somebody to just, they they don't need a sermon right now. They just need me to stop by and say, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm praying for you. Oh God, I feel this so strong. I know I'm past my time, but I can't stop saying what I feel right now. Where we work, where we live. When we decided, when we, when we sold our other house after living there for 25 years, and we knew the deal was about to go through, I told my wife, I said, I'm praying, God, wherever you put us, I want you to put us somewhere where we can affect our neighbors. I want you to put us somewhere where we can reach our neighbors. We hadn't been there very long until we had a big snow. And, and, and I had just had surgery. And I heard tires spinning in the driveway next to me. Our neighbor had been battling cancer and been through chemotherapy. Her car was stuck in the driveway and she couldn't get it in or out. I walked over and she said, I'm so sorry. She said, but I just, I think she had just gotten home from, from treatment. From a chemo treatment right then. She was weak. She was sick. I was still hurting from surgery. And I said, I'll help you. And I went and got my shovel. And I did everything I could do to dig her out of that and to help her. I said, you get behind the wheel and I'll push. I'm going to get you out of there. And you know what? I can't tell you how many mornings my wife has gotten up at 6 o'clock or 5.30 to go walking with her now. Just spend time with her. Just be a friend to her. This is what we ask God to do. I didn't just want another house to have another house. I wanted God to put me somewhere where I could reach somebody. This is what happens when we really get a primary focus. Where we work, where we live, where we eat, where we shop, where we spend our time. Where we do our recreation. Young people, you go out to play a game somewhere. You go out to top golf. You go out. Don't just go to have fun. Are you hearing your pastor? 
I want you to have fun. I want you to be young people. But I want you to have in the back of your mind, there might be somebody out here that really wants to know God. There may be somebody out here whose life is falling apart. I may have something that they're looking for. God, let me be sensitive while I'm here. Don't let me get so caught up in the fun of the moment that I overlook a hurting soul. Seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first. All right, musicians come. Everything we do, the way we interact with others, the way we respond to others, the way we treat others. We've got to do it with a single focus. And that focus is to benefit God's kingdom. That's got to be our premier focus. So our premier doctrine is the oneness of God. That's our first message. Our premier focus is seeking God's kingdom. That's our first obligation. That's our first obligation. I'll get into two more next week, Lord willing. But these things are crucial to us, church. And as I said, if we get the basics wrong, if we get the premier principles wrong, then what does it matter from that point forward? better start playing or I'll keep talking. I'm going to keep talking anyhow, but maybe I'll quit sooner. I told our couples during the marriage retreat, I said, how do you think I would feel if I had a son-in-law that gave me 10% of his income, wrote songs about how great I am, Told everybody that he met what a tremendous father-in-law he had. Was constantly, constantly building me up. But all the while, he was abusing my daughter. How do you think I'd feel about him? Do you think the 10% of his income and the songs and the praises would even matter to me if he's abusing my daughter because there's something more important to me than the words that are spoken and I'm telling you this is the same concept we've got to get church these things that I am teaching you that are the premier principles they have to truly become premier they have to truly become first. Everything else that we talk about. I spent, what, four weeks talking about tithing. And this ought you to have done. But don't leave the other undone. But we can pay our tithes and we can look the part, act the part, be faithful in coming to God's house. 
But if we miss the premier principles, we're not building on the right foundation. And we may be building a beautiful building, but if the foundation is bad, the building's not going to last. We've got to get the premier principles right. Does this make sense? And that's why I need to take the time to teach what I'm teaching. Our premier doctrine, our first message, is the oneness of God. Our premier focus, our first obligation, is seeking God's kingdom. I'll talk about the other two next week, Lord willing. But let's make sure we get these right. Let's make sure we get these right. Let's stand together.